Amen. How are we doing this morning? Good. Hey, if you are interested in taking your next step in our church, here's what we encourage you to do. Uh, we believe that everybody is a 10 in some area. Amen, somebody. There are a lot of people who are like, I don't know where I can serve. I don't know what I can do. I don't even know how to serve. Uh, what we believe is that everybody has a next step and that you can find purpose at our church. There are people who, have, who hold multiple roles, who do many things in this church. This church is not built on um, one person that is built on the sacrifice and the leadership of many. And so as a church, we will do everything in our, um, within our realm to get people on board in our church to serve and love. And here's why, because when you are a part of something that's bigger than yourself, you want to invite, you want to invest, and you want to be a part of something that's great like that. And we believe this 100%. We believe that our church is going to reach people far from God, and you have an opportunity every week to serve and be a part of our community. So in the next service, if you want to stay around, you can. Uh, we'll be offering a class called Next at 11 o'clock. It'll last just over an hour, um, and then you're free to go. You can learn more about our DNA, uh, who we are, what we believe, why we believe what we believe, and what we're going to do to reach our city for Jesus. Could you do me one favor? Could you give up for our worship team this morning? <laughs> Melissa, that's what I'm talking about. You go, girl. <laughs> Melissa walked into our church a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> and she came on a day when we were practicing church, and she knew we needed help. So she said, I can sing. And we were like, all right, girl. And so she got up here, and she killed that song. So uh, you all... Thank you guys so much for your effort and your time. If you, our, our worship team practices late at night because we are a church that um, is mobile. And so we practice uh, in an office space that uh, allows us to meet. And that happens usually at nine o'clock at night, like on a Monday this week, I think it'll be on a Wednesday. So they spend a lot of time and effort uh, rehearsing uh, and being a part of that. And that's also, if you have a gift, Next is a great place for you to be involved in worship and singing and all those things. So um, uh, this is the day, the weekend before Valentine's Day. Anybody excited about Valentine's Day? <clears throat> all the girls are like, woo, yes. And all the guys are like, oh, crap. I got to go. I say crap, sorry. Oh, no. Like, I got to go and I got to get stuff the day before or the day of. Or if you're single, you're like, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to spend money right now if you are a dude. And that's completely fine. Um, if you want to be your own Valentine, that's cool with me. Um, whatever works for you. But, man, I, I love the opportunity to talk about uh, relationships, marriage, uh, dating. I, I was a former uh, student pastor, young adult pastor, so I was always in the trenches with like, who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do? Is she the one? Is he the one? How's this going to work out? Where's my life going? And I'm like, nowhere if you're with that person. And so we were just like always talking about life and relationship because let's just be honest, relationships matter, right? Like everybody wants to know Who's the one? Like, who am I supposed to be with? And I, and I pray that over the next couple of weeks that we can give you an idea of what it looks like to come from me to we as a group of people, as you're in relationships, as you're dating, or even as you're married, because I believe that one of the, the struggles in marriage is that we are so me-centric that we forget to be we-centric. And marriage is not about me, it's about we. So all the single people, you'll get to hear a lot about how you can prep your life for marriage. And I'll be 100% honest with you, I am not a guru. I am a dude who makes mistakes, who says the wrong thing, 
who gets uh, in trouble because he says the wrong thing. I'm just a guy. But I do know that the Bible gives us some, some really cool things to learn um, when it comes to relationships. My wife and I, we will celebrate 12 years of marriage this year. Yes, we got some claps on that. That typically will draw a few uh, bits of applause. Um, we have been parents for eight years, all right? I've been a parent for eight years and my child is still alive. I have managed to uppercut her in the face with a Wii remote. I have managed to play basketball in our living room just two weeks ago, and I have managed to topple over the top of her, laying and trying to catch her as I'm falling into the fireplace. She's screaming, Dad, you're terrible. Why would you do that? And I'm like, I'm so competitive, and I apologize. Um, I have now been your pastor for three weeks, and I still have a job. And so I'm thankful for that. I've managed to keep it. But every time that I say we've been married for X amount of years, it always draws some sort of applause. And here's why. Because marriage is not easy. It's not easy. Like when, when you are in relationship with somebody, it's not easy. And here's why. Because you're not like the person that you're in the relationship with. Like it's different. There's always, um, there's always a push and a pull about what it looks like to navigate relationships. We quickly recognize when I say I've been married for 12 years, all the married people clap. All the single people are like, oh, that's no big deal. Like 12 years, not a big deal. All the married people are like, yes, that guy's been married 12 years. That's a difficult task because it is. Marriage it's tough. We, we meet in a wedding venue. I, I pray that one day if you're single, I can marry you right here. Like we, if, if you find that, that special someone and Cupid shoots you in the behind and you guys fall in love, I pray that one day we stand right here in this facility and we watch you exchange vows, you get married, you celebrate. And I will tell you, that's the easiest day. The easiest day is when you say, I do. It is. And you're in front of everybody. Like, oh, I'm so He's holding hands. And you're like, and you're like, anybody, I don't know. I've been married 12 years. So at our, at our wedding, you stare at somebody for an entire song. And you're not sure what to say. And if you're a guy, everybody knows what you're thinking. But you're like, okay, like, how, how quick can we get the wedding ceremony over with, right? If you're a girl, you're like, this is, I've been waiting for this day my whole life. <laughs> and you're exchanging vows and dudes are like, all right, everybody out, let's go. Let's get, get in the car. Like, I, you know, everybody has their own idea and their own thought process as to what they think marriage will be like or to what they think marriage is now. And just because you've been married five years or 10 years or 20 years, or even 40 years, doesn't necessarily mean that we have, you have a healthy and fulfilling marriage. You know that I've seen people be married their whole lives, wait till their children graduate high school and just decide, you know what, we stayed married just because we wanted to see our kids through high school. I've seen it happen. I, I, I've seen people um, be in relationship uh, and, and, so, and so often Think and have a great perception on the outside, but deep inside their home, 
it, it's, it's a wreck. They're trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to figure out how to operate. And I see people have, who have managed to stay together and yet despise each other in the same time. I've seen it all over. And statistically, in our city, if you've been through a divorce, we want to tell you this. We love you, and it's okay. Like, we want to care for you, we want to love you, and we want to walk with you through that. If you've been a product of a broken home, your, your parents have gotten a, a divorce, we want you to know that it wasn't your fault. We want you to know that, like, hey, we're here for you as a church because we value marriage so much. I believe that our homes are under attack from the enemy because, because he knows that if he can get into the home, he knows that he can destroy the church because originally the church was started in your house, not in this building. And so like, it is important that we understand the context and the value of marriage. So what do we need to do in order to live a healthy, holy, happy, great marriage? If you are single, I'm gonna encourage you, please do not fall off the tracks during this time. Please do not like think that this is just for people who are married. If you're thirsty, you know, you know what I'm saying? And you're on the internet and you're real thirsty. I encourage you to be thirsty to learn something about Jesus during this time. I encourage you to be thirsty about finding out how you can be a better uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, future. I would encourage you this. Stop trying to find the one and start being the one that somebody would want to date. If you are single and you're trying to mingle, this is a great place because it's church. However, I will say don't check out on me because for the next couple of weeks, we want to give you some things that I think will help you with how you operate, not just um, in your future, but now. You see, you don't have to wait until you're married to try to figure out what it looks like to be a good man or a good woman or godly, okay? Like that, that doesn't have to happen in the future. That has to happen now. And so often when you're single, what you do is you say, well, one day when I get there, I'll do this. And you'll spend your life saying, well, when I get there, I'll be this. Or when this happens, I'll do that. Hear me out. Don't wait until when you get there. Start being there now. Start living right now. Start being that person now. Instead of trying to find the right person, just be the right person. There are seven billion people on planet Earth. And I love it when, when people love like, you know, uh, stories of, uh, Disney just paints a terrible picture to me sometimes. I'm like, this is not real. And then Nicholas Sparks writes a book and you're like, oh, it's so amazing. I'm like, that's not real. Guys don't really take you on boats through lily pads and they really don't build houses for you when they just met you, okay? Like, I, I just want you to know that. Like, just don't check out on me if you're single, all right? Uh, please, I, if you are single, here's, here's what I encourage you to do. Invite some single friends, Invite them and say, yo, you got to hear what's going on in my church. They're talking about some crazy stuff, like how I should be before I actually get married. Like they're talking about some good stuff. Now, if you are married, hey, we're going to talk about how we can better our marriage, how we can better our relationships. And, and the reality is this, is that nowhere in life are we actually taught, nobody sits down and says, now let me give you the five rules of how to be a good husband. Nobody sits down and says, now let me give you the five rules about how to be a good wife. You see, marriage is sometimes, uh, we replicate what we see. 
And so often, if you are um, from a broken home or if you have seen great marriage, those are all great things, but we replicate what we see. You become who you hang around, right? And if you've only seen uh, marriage done a certain way, oftentimes what you will do is your marriage will be done that way. See, I grew up in a home where there weren't cell phones because I'm kind of old, all right? And so when my dad left the house on Saturday, like nobody knew where my dad was for hours. I would go, mom would be like, have you seen your dad? He left at seven, mom. And, and, and what's crazy is you can't track him down. Like you can't text dad. Like the only thing you could do was call collect and hope that he was by a payphone. People are like, payphone, those, those existed. You put a, a, a dime in there. Sometimes you'd put a quarter in there and you could actually make phone calls. And if you're really sneaky, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my mom and dad. My mom would take toilet paper and stick it up in there when she was young, and people would put money in, and then she'd go back and take the toilet paper and get all their change because they couldn't make phone calls. That's the kind of family I rolled with, all right? So, like, we, so like in my house, that's robbery, 10 cents at a time, all right? So I, I'm just telling you, like, everybody sees marriage certain ways. And thankfully, thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives to guide and direct us. So if you're a believer in here this morning uh, and you know Jesus, there is, this, it, there is something that comes in you when you find Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, I have a conscience. No, now you have somebody who tells you, yo, you probably shouldn't be in that space, in that place at that time, all right? So I'm gonna read from the scriptures real quick just so we can uh, see what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible, you can turn to... Um, the book of John. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. If you have a phone, you could actually go on your phone. But here's what the Bible says in John 14, verse 26. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you what? Everybody say this with me. All. All. We'll teach you all things, not some things, not every once in a while things. He will teach you all things He'll teach you all things and remind you of everything that, that Jesus had told you. And here's what Jesus told us, okay? Jesus told us in John 16, later on, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. That means in your marriage, in your relationships, in your family, you will have trouble. Bottom line, you can't run from it. You can't escape it. Trouble will find you everywhere you go. You wanna know why? Because Jesus said you're gonna have it. But he says this reminder at the end of John 16, 33, and it's not on the screen. He says this, he says, but remember. So I wanna remind you this morning that no matter how difficult a marriage or a relationship or a dating place is, here's your reminder. Jesus has overcome the world. And no matter your situation, no matter your problem, no matter your stigma, no matter how bad it is, no matter how you wish you would have married somebody else, no matter you wish that you were dating somebody else, it does not matter how difficult it is, Jesus has overcome the world. And we have, we, we have to thank God for that. We have to thank God that no matter what, I'm sticking out marriage, relationship, friendship, whatever it may be, because Jesus said, hey, you're gonna have trouble. And here's why, because you are with the opposite sex. And guys are very one-track minded. And girls are very multiple layered minded. And so when Amanda comes to me and she says, hey, 
she asks me a question, sometimes it takes me a while to process because I'm only, I can only think in one way. And so I have to like literally take what I'm thinking, try to move it aside, gather my bearings, and think, okay, here's what I do. But if you're a girl, here's what you can do, okay? You can be driving down the road. You can think about your shopping list, your grandma, your mom, your daughter, your school, your work, what's going on, and you can do it all in one setting. God bless you. Thank you for being able to do that. Because without you, I would never get anything done. But one thing, that's the one thing that's on my mind. However, that's why God puts us in relationship together, not so that we can compete against each other, but so that we can complete each other. See, relationship and marriage and dating is not about competition. (laughs) Even though we oftentimes want it to be about us, right? We, we often, hey, listen, each one of you have issues. You got issues, I got issues, the person you're married to's got issues, the person that you're gonna date's got issues. Every one of us have issues. And here's what we think, well, if they would just get themselves together, then we could do this. Or if he would just do this, then we would have a better marriage. Or if she would just stop, no, 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 all the time, we would have a better marriage. Or if they, and what we start doing is we start competing with with each other and that's not what God intended marriage or relationship to be and it's about completion. And so one day when you stand on this stage and, and I say, till death do you part, I want you to really think about that. And you're like, oh, like for real? Marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. And so many of us get in relationships and we go in them and we are, they're contractual. And here's what, they, here's what that means. I will love you if you do this. I will love you if you do this. And then when somebody doesn't fulfill their end of the bargain, we're like, you know what, that contract's done. We can rip that up and we can throw it away. I'm out. But that's not the way God designed it. That's not the way God wants it. It's covenant, which means that no matter what, you are in it together. One of our values at our church is that we're in this together, not only as a, as a church body, but in our marriages, in our dating relationships, in our singleness. We're all in this together. And it's our job to take you from uh, me focused to we focused as a church. And so you all have issues. And here are some of the issues that you have, okay? Every one of you will have the issue of acceptance, Everybody wants to be accepted. You want to, you want to know that you are loved and needed by others, right? Every one of you want to know that you're loved and needed by somebody else. Another issue that you have is identity. You need to know that you are individually significant and special. And so many of us walk around with no identity. We, we, we are so thirsty for somebody else's identity that we live our lives as if we were somebody else and that's not the way God intended it. He wants you to be you. He wants you to love you. He, everybody, I'm telling you, we've all been there where we've had an identity crisis. But you need to understand it's not about who you are, it's about whose you are. You're Christ's. You're his. He is your creator. He, is, he, is, he has created you to be a masterpiece, a work of art to do great things on this earth. Another issue that we struggle with, and this is one that I think that uh, 
girls or women in particular struggle with, and it's security. Every woman wants to feel secure. Fellas, that means security. And some people are like, well, yeah, I got to make a bunch of money. No, that just means you need to be secure. That means you need to be accepting. That means you need to know who you are before you can help her become who she is. Like, ladies need, they need security, knowing that they're well-protected and provided for. Recently, um, my father-in-law, who's way more of a man than I ever will be because he's just super manly, all right? But like, if I need something fixed around the house, I call, I call my, my dad. That's literally, um, I have my, both of my parents have passed or with Jesus, so I have new parents, and I'm thankful for them. My father-in-law, if I need something fixed at my house, if I need something done, I call the real guy, all right? So like I FaceTime him sometimes and I'm like looking at this stuff. I'm like, hey, do you know what this button's for the other day? My hot water heater, heater wasn't working, all right? So like I am, you don't want me touching stuff like this, all right? And I, I know how to operate like a screwdriver and, a, and a, you know, things like that. So I take this panel off and there's wires. And I was like, oh, and there's a red button. And I'm the guy who's like, do I push the red button? Is it gonna blow up? It is a water heater. What's gonna happen? And I, I'm like, got him on FaceTime, and I'm like, hey, like, is it okay if I if I push that button? He's like, yeah, yeah, just push it. And I'm like, <laughs> hot water heater. It says down here this could explode, and I'm kind of nervous about it. But one of the things I love about my father-in-law is that. He protects his, his wife. He protects his daughter. He just recently bought her a handgun, uh, which makes me unprotected every once in a while. Uh, but he bought her a handgun. They've been going to the shooting range, and they've been doing all these things. And like, I'm like, wow, like, he's way cooler than I am. I never bought my wife a handgun. We have a gun. She never shot it. And I was like, that's because it's my job to protect, not her job to protect me. And it's so like, <laughs> like I, I, he, he's a, a protector. And all women most women that I come in contact, I can't couple in every woman because everybody is different, but most women that I come in contact with, they need to be secure. They need to know that they're worth fighting for. They need to know that they're valued and that they're loved and that they're cherished. Single people, single ladies, if he is not willing to give his life for you, he's not worth it. And here's why. Because Jesus gave his life for you, and, he was, and it was so worth it. And so often, we live our lives as if like, well, like, he's cute. He's got a cute smile. He can sing. He can do all these things. And I'm like, yeah, but will he die for you? Because if he won't, there's a good chance that it's not worth it. And so dudes, uh, uh, ladies, the standard in your relationship is Jesus. And all the guys are like, well, crap. Like, that's not good for me. Like, I'm never going to measure up exactly because you're not Jesus. But your purpose is acceptance, identity, security. It's knowing those things as a man to love and cherish a woman. It's to know your purpose. Everybody in here has a purpose, knowing that you have a reason to live and your purpose is to be for one another, which means that if she does not like watching football on Sunday afternoon, don't make her do it. Like, it's okay. Like if she enjoys long walks on the beach and you have to go to Corpus Christi to do that, but if she enjoys that, 
Let her do it. If he enjoys watching football and it doesn't interrupt with family, let him do it. Complete one another. And so often, this is the worst. I'm terrible at this. Amanda will come in with a very important question and she'll ask it in the middle of a game. And I'm like, I, I'm terrible. I, I'm awful at answering questions. And here's the deal. Sometimes she doesn't even have to be in the middle of a game. I'm just terrible at this kind of stuff. I don't have it all together. I don't, I don't claim to know what to do, but I do know this, that we all have issues of acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And these needs have been motiv- motivating you throughout your entire life. Everything that you do, These needs have motivated it at some point in time. Security, job. Acceptance, friends. Identity, who you are. Doing what you're supposed to do with your life, fulfilling your purpose, those are all things that we have all issues with. And here are some of the most common resources we seek to meet those needs, okay? Some of the most common resources we seek to meet the needs is ourself, our spouse, our friends, and our kids, if you don't have kids, um, let's get married and then we can work on that. But if you've got kids, you understand that you will do anything for them at any given time because they're your kids. When my kid, and I struggle with this, but when our kid gets sick, Amanda will like, like just love on her and care for her. And as if to say, Amanda will sometimes take on the possibility of being sick because she loves our child so much. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he died on a cross. He became your sin, so he became your sickness. He became your filth because he loved you that much. And here's the problem. Most of us live our lives seeking things that are me-centered instead of God-centered. And here's the deal. The Bible in Matthew says to seek first God, not seek first me, not seek first you, not seek first church, not seek first worship, not seek first lighting, not seek first job, not seek first money, not seek first security, seek first God. And then the Bible says that he will add all these things to you. Because here's the deal. Here's what I know about my wife. As beautiful and amazing and as hot as I think she is, She is not God. I am not God. I will fail her. She will fail me. You will fail the other person. That is life. Only Jesus can satisfy and fulfill your deepest needs. And I'll tell you what we make out of each other. We make terrible gods. You know why? Because you're not one. You're not God. You you will mess up. You will screw up. Because you're not God. And I know what we think. If the person next to me would just get it together, then our life would be good. No, if you would get it together with God, your life would be better. Stop blaming people for your relationship problems and start looking at yourself in a mirror and saying, what am I seeking first, me or God? Am I more focused on me or am I more focused on we? And by we, I don't just mean your significant other. I mean you in a relationship with Jesus. 
Every morning, my wife is a machine, okay? Five o'clock, boom, 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 go to the living room, do like 100 million workouts, sweat to death, drink this green drink that I could rather just throw, I'd rather be fat than drink, okay? Like, she drinks this stuff, and she's like, taking all these pills, and she's like, and I'm like, whoa! She's like, we gotta get to work. I'm like, I, I need like eight cups of coffee, I need a chill, like, I need to drink it slowly so that it gets in my body and warms me up. Like, all these things, every single morning she does this. She is a machine. When she's done with her workout, she sits down on the couch. Sometimes she'll open up the Bible, sometimes she'll use her phone as a devotion, and she'll do a devotion. And you know what the sexiest thing about my wife is? It's not that she gets up at 5 a.m. and does a workout. Pretty cool, too. But that when she's done, she spends time with Jesus. Because she knows that if her relationship with God is right, then everything else will flow out of that, which means how she treats people, how she loves people, how she loves the first graders that she teaches every day, even though it's difficult because they're in the first grade. She lives out of the overflow of her morning routine. But here's our morning routine. <laughs> this is my morning routine. I'm not going to say it. Alarm. Snooze. 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 I got to get out of bed. You take off running, and you're running through your house. You didn't prep the night before, right? You got no clothes laid out. You got nothing ready. You're running everywhere. You're like, I got to put makeup on. I got to dry my hair. I got to take a shower. I got to do all these things. And you spend your life in complete chaos running around your house trying to figure out what to do with your day because you live out of the overflow of not being prepared. And I'll tell you, in marriage, it takes preparation. And preparation doesn't start with your workout routine and preparation doesn't start with how good the coffee is in the morning and preparation doesn't start with a green drink that's disgusting. Preparation doesn't start with eggs. Preparation starts with Jesus. And if you will live your life out of this overflow and understanding that priorities matter, priorities matter. Here's the problem. Most of us have the wrong priorities set up in our life. We think this. It, it, we, we want checklists to the day we die. If I put God at the top, then the rest of my life is going to go well. Nope. Wrong. Because you made him a checklist. If you put God at the center of your life and you put him in everything that's involved, your life will be much better off. But so often, it's like priority up. Oh, Morning devotion, good God, now I don't have to worry about you the rest of the day. No, that's not relationship. That's not how it works. That's not what it looks like to love somebody. That's not what it looks like to, to care for a relationship because when you are in a relationship, it takes work. And God has called us to cultivate and to grow a healthy relationship. So here, I, I, I've, I've used this illustration before in the past, but I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. It's, it's a triangle of what I think relationships would look like, okay? So if I were to put Amanda and I down at the bottom of this triangle, here's what's cool. The closer that Amanda and I get to God, the closer we get to each other. <laughs> Too many of us have this triangle upside down. And we spend our lives trying to 
work our way to the top, and if God makes it in there, we're good. And we give glory to God because we're supposed to and we love Jesus. God, thank you for getting me to this place. I appreciate it. It's like every guy who wins a Super Bowl or wins a football game. Thank you, Jesus. That's great. God doesn't care about your Super Bowl victory. He cares about your relationship with him. God doesn't care about how much money you make. He cares about your relationship with him. God doesn't care about any of these things. What he cares about is that when marriage is done healthy and when it's done right, when relationship is done right, is that when you're drawing close to God, you're drawing close to one another. And when you're drawing close to one another, guess what? You're on more, the same page. You're on the same page. If Amanda and I never communicated, would we have a good relationship? No, we'd be terrible. And here's the deal. I, I communicate for a living and I'm still terrible at it. I, I'm terrible at communication. I, I sometimes, I like, I like shrink up and I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't like conflict with my wife. But I'll tell you, conflict is gonna happen in life. And what you have to do is work your way closer to God. And listen, if you are the only one in the relationship working your way to God, then keep working your way to God. And some of you, you're trying to carry dead weight to God (laughs) and it's never gonna work. If you're single and you're like, I'll get them saved. No, you won't because you're not Jesus. You're like, you know what? I can get them to where they need to be. No, you can't because you're not God. But if you will be, if you will establish a relationship With God, I promise, I promise you, God will bring the right person into your life, okay? So I've got to hurry. I could talk about this kind of stuff all day, all all right? God first, spouse second. We make terrible gods. So I want to talk to you about three things that I think are going to help you out. God first, spouse second. And before we get to the three things, I have to tell you this one quick story because I was a terrible husband at one point in time. And I probably still am not the best. But one time my wife thought it would be really cool to take my cream soda and pretend like she was going to drink it. And she put her mouth over it, but she wasn't drinking any of it. And I'm in the driver's seat. And this is how we are as humans. We're selfish, okay? We're me, not we. (laughs) She's doing this. As if she's drinking my A&W cream soda, nobody does that. I reach out and I grab it. And when I grab it, it squeezes and cream soda goes all over the place in the car. She's like, I can't believe you just did that. And I was like, did what? That's my cream soda. I say that because we is far more important than me. She wasn't taking a drink of it, but I was so selfish that I wouldn't, didn't want her to take a drink of it. And here's the deal. In your relationships, how selfish are you? Are you so selfish that you don't want somebody to have, put their lips on your drink that you put your lips on their lips? Come on. Like, oh, don't touch that. That's gross. You just made out. Like, come on. Let's be real. Like, oh, man, that's disgusting. No, you're, you, no. Come on. Just don't be selfish. There's three things, all right? Three things that everybody, I think that everybody needs to apply to their life. List the most important priorities in your life. List them. Like, I don't like lists. Type them. I don't care. If something is important to you, you will value it. And what you add to your structure is a statement of what you value. 
Our PTAC is really good. What you add to your structure is a statement of what you value. Some people are like, well, uh, like, um, I, I just have a terrible prayer life. That's because it's not in the, your value system. Some people are like, I wish God would do this. You don't have it in your value system. Make a list, prioritize it. Make it important in your life. Here's the priorities in my house, okay? Faith, family, finance, fitness, fun. All start with Fs. Faith, family, finance, fitness, fun. And, and every night when I lay down, yo, I'm gonna sleep well. We just talked about this last night because I'm a stubborn punk, okay? I mean, it's like, so when you sleep, you don't sleep well. I was like, sometimes I don't sleep well. She's like, you're asleep, how do you know? And I'm like, well, and I start making excuses. I start doing all these things. And, and here's the reality. If you do not have it in your value system, you will not value it. List the most important priorities first. Faith. My relationship with God is my best resource in my life. Family. My wife and my kid are the most, second most important things in my life. The rest can go in whatever order they want. Fun. I am the least fun person in my house, but I have fun anyway, all right? Like, uh, finance, I am terrible with it, but I made somebody really smart. Just prioritize them. Put them in the right order. Number two, you need to prove these priorities in real ways. Connor, if you wanna go ahead and come up, I'm, I'm wrapping this up quick. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, you will not just say it, you'll do it. You'll not just say it, you'll do it. If, if priorities in real ways. So don't just create a list and then do nothing about it. Don't just create something like, oh man, I, I don't have any, I can't do anything about it. Don't ignore your spouse's needs or take them for granted and then expect her or him to be ready to decide when you need to have sex. Don't ignore their needs and then be like, oh yeah, it's Friday night. Let's, let's make sure that we can make another baby. No. Don't ignore somebody's needs. I, I, if, if I could write a book on what not to do as a pastor, as a husband, as a leader, I could write it on what it looks like to not lead well and to be selfish. I could do it. Don't create priorities and do nothing about them. If there's one on this list here, and then when I preach, I preach to myself. If there's one on this list today Number two is kicking me in the chest. Prove these priorities in real ways. Don't just say them. Don't just write them down. Do something about it. And the last thing is this. Protect your priorities. List them, prove them, protect them. <clears throat> when you go to bed tonight, when you lay down your head to sleep, have all your priorities been accomplished? Have you protected them? You know that as a pastor, we get calls all the time. We, we, we do all these things. You know what I wanna protect more than anything? My family. Because if I put my family under your family and I put you above my family, I'm teaching you that you can do the same thing when something comes along your way. Protect your priorities. My daughter gets here for two services. And there will be a day where my daughter will not be here for two services. You wanna know why? Because she doesn't have to be here for two services. She can go home and be a kid. 
right now we're startup phase, we're having fun, we're celebrating, we're having a blast, but we will protect our priorities. I don't say that to be mean, I don't say that to be rude, but some of you need to protect your priorities and that's your marriage. Some of you need to protect your priorities and that's your relationships. Some of you need to protect your priorities. If it's your faith, your family, your fitness, your finance, your fun, whatever it may be, you need to protect it. Because yesterday, my wife told me I needed to go work out. I said, I'm gonna go run a mile. She said, don't come back unless it's three. You know what we're doing for our, our, 13, our 12th anniversary? You know what we're doing? Running a Spartan race, baby. Together. And so you know what I did? I went out, I ran that mile, and I was like, there's a hill. I'm about to, I'm about to bust that hill. I'm like sprinting up the hill. People in the neighborhood are like, dude, it's raining. It's cold. And I said, but I got I to get rid of the dad bod because my wife doesn't want me looking like that anymore. So it's prioritized, baby. She's like, I want you to have good arms, push-ups all day, like dips, whatever I got to do. Prioritize it. Love your spouse. Love the person you're dating. Love the person you're going to marry. Protect them. Care for them. Not only is it our responsibility to do that for each other, it's our responsibility to say, you know what, God? I've been lacking in my relationship with you. Thank you for joining the United City Podcast. Please join us next week as we continue our series, From Me to We.